At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella here at The World Messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. I have a very special guest today that we are guys going to absolutely love it, uh, that is joining me from Pennsylvania, United States, and is known as Transformation Coach, also a sustainable uh, co-founder, and that is very much so interested in working some amazing projects in that space. And obviously so much more, but we're going to depict and discover more about this special guest. Um, please welcome Myra Rubin. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. I'm so delighted to be here with you, Isabella. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's a, such a pleasure. And I'm so glad that we could have this conversation uh, because obviously getting to know a little bit about you and your background, I'm so intrigued to discover more during this session because I know it's going to be tremendously valuable for others um, to, that are in the path of transforming, which all of us are, uh, but also that are really looking how they can live a much more holistic, more conscious lifestyle, right? So Myra, do you mind sharing a little bit about your background before you got into all of this? What was your journey like? Uh, and how did you get into transformation coaching and sustainability? Well, I like to say I have a checkered past. <laughs> I reinvented myself multiple times through my life, uh, but the most recent iteration prior to this uh, period of being a full-time transformational coach and sustainability advocate, uh, I had a training center, an Adobe training center where I taught Photoshop, Illustrator and design. I had gone to school for art uh, years ago. And um, I think what happened for me through these through different careers prior to that, I had a career for many years in sales. And it's all helped to shape me. But back in that time, when I was pursuing the sales career, I took training in neurolinguistic programming, NLP, as well as hypnosis, as well as some energy healing modalities. And uh, at that time, became, it started the evolution of the work that I currently do that I call core connection that I've developed. And it's emerged over many years through those modalities and also uh, the, it, the emergence of core connection really taught me itself. It, it had a life of its own to teach me how, how to practice. So now, um, from the Adobe work, Adobe Training Center, um, I, I saw that the industry was changing, the training industry, and my dad passed away. And he generously left me some money. And I took that opportunity, reading the writing on the wall for the training industry, I took that opportunity to immerse myself in my vision and and to launch my um to launch my vision which is uh, a 
a sustainability wonderland, kind of like a um, <laughs> kind of like a world's fair for sustainability uh, on the scale of the Disney franchise globally, but that will be an and entertain a place of entertainment and learning and education and a resource global resource center. The the idea was in 2017, um, I I stepped into my purpose. I took ownership of this vision, and uh, when I took ownership of this vision, I knew that I couldn't do it being who I was in, in the context that I was living, that I really needed to create a, um, a support system for myself. And so from that, realizing that I didn't know anything really about sustainability, but the reason that I took on this vision was because whenever I thought of what we were doing to the planet, my heart broke. I just would well up with tears and I couldn't live with that despair. Mm -hmm. And so I, I said, okay, I've got to do something. And then this, this vision of this place where people go and experience possibility and wonder and, and uh, knowledge was so compelling for me, but I didn't know anything about sustainability. As I said, I didn't know anybody that had these technologies. I knew they were out there. I started finding them and then I thought, oh, it, this we have to share with people, share the hope. And um, so that's where the, the um, podcast that I do with my business partner, Scott Billy, called Sustainability Now emerged. And now we have a global network of people doing remarkable things. And now we're starting to gain some momentum in, in the vision of the Eco Park, which is really, really exciting. Some wonderful collaborations and partnerships that are starting to emerge around that. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> Absolutely did. And it's a lot to depict here from, but it's a, such a great uh, encompassing journey. Obviously, when we go through breakthroughs when we transform we have opportunity to really uh, even more so go deeper and figure out our purpose what we're destined for right and I love how you recognize some things that you used to do will not anymore serve or they're not going to cut it you have to elevate your game first in order to really fulfill that vision and that is such a huge vision and I also love that you combine these two worlds of your inner transformation and how you're helping others to do the same but also the projects you are working on around sustainability and I love that um, wording that you use uh, about your project and how you see that and then what that means to you um, and because it is such a huge movement right now, isn't it? And people globally that wanted to see that it make a difference. So you, you brought up a bunch of different things. And um, one is the idea of purpose. And, and the thing about purpose, I, what I realized is I couldn't be me. I couldn't be the, the limited me that I was. And what I'm aware of about purpose is that it's something that we serve. It, it's like a gift. It, it, this, this dream, this vision was a gift that was given to me. And I had the choice as to whether to receive that gift. In receiving that gift, I, I knew that I was then in service to it. And in being in a place, coming to it from a place of service, it allows me 
to continually expand myself beyond my limited ideas of who I might think I am or what I might think I'm capable of. And essentially serving something bigger, you know, that I'm the vehicle for this thing to manifest. And as such, my, my insecurities don't matter. I get to be bigger than that. You know, my, my fears and limitations kind of fall away and there's a new resilience because I am serving this higher vision. Yes. And, and, and when we have that vision, obviously, a lot of times people, uh, because bigger the goal, that's sometimes it's more terrifying, right? But then and knowing how to navigate. And you mentioned something really powerful. You said, now, when you really have this sense of what are you doing and elevating your game, you start resonating, finding people that share that vision. And as a result, um, not only helping to get to fruition, but also this healthy, beautiful collaboration to make that happen. So do you mind sharing a little bit about that? I really do believe that when we commit, when we commit to a vision, when we commit to ourselves and, and the vision being something that's coming from your heart and soul, not something that's a goal that would be great to do because, it, because of all kinds of externals, but a goal that is being, that's moving you from the inside out. Um, you know, I, I believe in intentions more than goals and, and inspiration that the doing comes from inspiration. So, um, what I believe is that when there is that commitment, when, is, when there is that clarity of focus, it activates grace. Yes. That's, that's and it creates this frequency of attraction where miracles start to unfold. And we just, we get to show up and be there and the miracles emerge. It's, it's really mind blowing. To, to have the synchronicities that occur when there is that clarity of, of direction and of purpose. Mm, so powerful, and I love that. Um, but for a lot of people, and obviously for me being also part of the transformation um, work, I see a lot of people like, you know, we're exposed and forced into so much change, right? So that is something that we don't necessarily depict and choose and self-select. But when it comes to transformation, obviously it is conscious decision, it is work, it's commitment, it's time consuming. It's over periods of times in different stages and phases. So do you mind sharing how you see uh, and view transformation uh, that is needed right now so that individuals not only can grasp and have the more balance be able to do more things effectively, but also be able to um, obviously fulfill their own destiny? It's a big question. So I, I, you opened the Pandora's box for me because I've been looking a lot in it because of my commitment to a world that works. And, and I see so many things that don't really work so well. Um, I have been looking at what is the underlying paradigm that is that we're operating in that allowed us to get to this place in the world in terms of sustainability. And that underlying paradigm, it's twofold. One is we have a foundation belief that we're not enough. And um, so a shift to sufficiency 
to wholeness, to recognizing that there's nothing we need to do in the world at all. And this might be a radical idea, but there is nothing that we need to do to be worthy. By virtue of our being here breathing, we are life expressing itself and we are whole and complete without anything else, without any externalities. And then if we can connect to that, then we can connect to, but what does my heart say? What does my heart want to express? And that's where the purpose and mission and passion emerges from. Now, going back to that sufficiency model, we can look at our world and see that because we have this programmed inadequacy, we are looking to the external word, world to validate ourselves through things, through accomplishments, through connections. You know, what kind of house we have, what kind of car we drive, what kind of clothes we wear, what kind of education we have, what kind of yoga practice we do. I mean, it goes to all different levels that, that we use these external things to define us and validate us. And as a consequence of that, what happens is that there's always a comparison. So there's me and you, and it's yeah. othering. It's creating other, it's creating opposition, comparison, competition, and, and more. And so what I see as this shift to sufficiency, when I don't need anything from you, I can be present to you from a place of wholeness and we can move into connection, collaboration and community support. Yes. That is brilliant. And I'm so glad you're sharing that because we're seeing so much fallouts right now with companies, with people, personally, professionally, a lot of turmoil of fortune, a lot of toxic environments, but also a lot of projection, right? Because of our own insecurities, what we don't know, what we're not capable of, or whatever it is. And you spot on so much, uh, it's driven based on financial gains or evaluating everything through the lens that is very materialistic versus about people and what really truly matters even in the business world if you take care of your people people will take care of your business and you will thrive if you're just hammering down the bottom line people get exhausted they get sick they get tired they leave or they underperform we know that right it's a basic basic elements but we would think the companies will adjust that also in personal and professional life when all of those things are blurred it's very difficult to be in that holistic state as you mentioned and look at through that lens so what will be some of your advice Myra with everything that is going on as we're seeing this again a sweep of still forced change uh, and, and, and tremendous need for transformation for anyone that is going through a lot, that has that anxiety, that, that's just trying to figure it out where they're at. How, how would you would, will advise when you were in 2017 going through these breakthroughs and repositioning yourself? What would be some of your um, practical advice for that? Well, I think that so many of us experience life as victims. Mm. And um, I choose, and I'm not saying that this is the truth, but it's a vantage point that I choose to believe that life is not happening to me. It's happening for me and through me. 
And I like to look at life through the lens of what if I chose this? What if it is all for my benefit? And I can, I can resonate with anybody who is listening to saying, are you crazy? Why in the world would I choose this? This is so horrible. This is so painful. Why would I choose that? And I, can, I, I experienced that pain for so many years of my life. And I can say that having gotten through it, and there were times when I didn't believe I would, and certainly you can relate to this, um, but the, uh, having gotten through it, what I know is that I now have the capacity to be with anyone's pain. I have the capacity to be present in a way that I would not have been able to prior to having gone through and and triumphed over those very very dark moments in my life and so i think that vantage point to be looking for the gift and the opportunity and the thing is in the middle of it sometimes it's just not possible to see that and so so another thing that i have found through my work with the core connection uh, process is that being present to our experience when we're experiencing it. Now, like if you're in a life-threatening situation, this is not the time to meditate and go inward necessarily. <laughs> you want to address the situation and be appropriate in your response. But when there are feelings, when we allow ourselves to be present to the feeling even if it's not in the moment when it first occurred, but to presence it, to be aware of it in our body, when we can be present to it without judgment or making a story about that emotion, when we can breathe into it, it will move because emotion is energy. And what happens is when we resist it, it, it embeds it more, for, more deeply in our bodies. And eventually, if we keep resisting and denying that the release of that energy, then it manifests physically in as dis-ease for so, so many people. So that's another thing is to give yourself the space. You might feel like, I don't have time to feel that way. I'm afraid of breaking down completely. And I can understand that that fear of getting so lost in the sadness or the darkness that you'll never come out. I can understand that. So if that's your fear, find somebody who can be there with you to be present for you as an anchor in this moment to say, you're here, I'm here with you, you're okay. And, and, and to move through that. But now more than ever, we get to be consciously aware of our thoughts, our assumptions, our feelings, and, and that is the path to healing, and that is the path to transforming, you know, to truly cleansing ourselves of, of the um, injury that we've experienced in life. I love that, and 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 you spot on when people are going, when we are going through major crisis or major change or transformation, when we're so uncomfortable or in pain or uh, thinking too much or projecting too much, it's hard to see that the uh, light and end of the tunnel because you're midst of it, right? 
um, but sometimes gaining different perspective or someone who is neutral, someone who we will advise in a ways that we can truly um, grasp what all of that means, or is it a part of the process and, and what the next stage or phase might be. And having more knowledge help us to really navigate to say, oh my God, at least, you know, I'm getting through this and it's going to be another phase and this is what can I at least expect and then how this is going to look like. But I also love what you mentioned, how important it is to have the support system. Right now I'm seeing something really interesting, a lot of interesting dynamics. Like last night I had someone in Clubhouse in regularly stand up rooms around the leadership round table, really, really struggling emotionally. And we have to kind of push things outside and just focus on the crisis or issue at hand. But also level of vulnerability was so touching. And, and, and reason I'm saying this, Maria, I'm seeing a lot of people portraying this happy life or, or trying to be all of those things being perfect. And in reality, when you see is like, I know they're struggling, I know they have their own inner demons. And it's not all of that as the social media is showing yet, you know, I feel like they're prolonging their own healing, they're prolonging to really be that beautiful masterpiece revealed to the world uh, with that stable foundation. So to get that stable foundation, what will be some of your thoughts on that? Well, that's a big one. Um, I know for me, I had so much shame and guilt. And what the way that I got through the shame and guilt or got beyond it was, first of all, and it was excruciating, was to be able to feel it, was to be able to allow myself to see it, not to deny it, not to pretend it wasn't there, but to recognize that my judgment was self-judgment. Now, there may have been external influences that, that triggered that judgment. But I, I had very, very, very intense, extreme, negative self-judgment. And I think that as we learn to compassionately witness ourselves, then we can also, this is another thing that I operate from is everybody's doing the best they can at the time. May not be great, yes. <laughs> you know, may not be yes. so good. But, but we are, you know, we're doing the best that we can at any given moment. And, and to compassionately look at ourselves and our, the things that we've done or said that we're ashamed or guilty about to, have compassion for ourselves first because when we allow that we then have the capacity to have compassion for others and the other thing this is a big one is instead of failure recognize that every circumstance provides us with feedback mm -hmm. feedback is neutral Failure takes us into that spiral of self-punishment and degradation and separation from self. When we recognize that it's just feedback, this, this action produced that result, then it gives us a little perspective to be able to stand back and, and get a valuable lesson that we can carry forward into the future. Mm. That is very powerful. You write a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, 
a lot of one of the things that I was actually statistically looking also and in researching uh, one of the top again fears right now that people are facing obviously we have a fear of success as a number three number two is actually feel of failure when you mentioned failure but number one was one that really stood out to me and i knew i knew that was all along but just showed how little preparation we have in general as a society was a fear of rejection actually how we reject ourselves, how we reject other people, how we feel are we worthy of love or are we worthy of the beautiful lifestyle, are we worthy or whatever it might be. And how sometimes actually we as a species self-sabotage amazing opportunities, amazing successes, uh, because before even anything unfolds, that kicks in and then it completely creates the shamble, right? So it's like successes is almost there or I almost failed, but I don't know, you know, and, and, and it's just really, really challenging, obviously, um, when you're not aware of it and you're not working on it, right? Well, I think, I think we get to look at what success and failure are. And I think that there's so many assumptions that we make that we never question. So we said, yes. we could say, I'm not a success or I'm not, I am a failure or um, I'll be successful when. And the thing is that success and failure are both circumstantially bound. It's, it's either I failed to do this within a given, I failed to do this specific thing within this specific time. You know, you're only a failure if you quit. Yes, that's right? so true. That's so true. Because otherwise it's just all iterations. And then maybe you're not a failure. Maybe you just didn't achieve the intended outcome. You know, so I, I don't particularly... Um, believe in failure and the thing that happens is yes you know remember it's constrained it's constrained by a specific definition time space whatever um, so it's different to say that effort failed versus I am a failure so to be internalizing this and personalizing we we tend to personalize everything right we make everything about ourselves so yeah. You know, like I did good, I did bad, not, you know, either way. And, it, and, and therefore I am good, I am bad. And the thing is that it's, it, we are life expressing itself. Yes. In every, every point on the spectrum and in its own way, it's all perfection, even the agony, the ecstasy, the all of it, it, even though we can look back and say, what a horror, how can that possibly, possibly be perfect? Well, we get to choose. This is the thing. This is the foundation of all of it is choice. We get to choose and we get to choose uh, perspectives on life that empower us or disempower us mm. and we're choosing all the time and half the time we don't even know that we're choosing because it's just part of the the flow of our cultural expectation so we get to when we're when we have a moment and we're able to say wow i feel miserable right now yes um we get to say okay what if i chose to be miserable right now mm. Instead of saying, but I want to choose something else. 
What if we say instead, what if I'm choosing to be miserable right now? What if I actually actively choose it and I'm going to be miserable? And what does it feel like to be miserable? You're not going to stay miserable because you're not resisting it anymore. You know, when people say I'm depressed, mm -hmm. the, and I know about depression, I've experienced it very poignantly in my life and for many years. Um, I wasn't depressed every moment of every day. Nobody will be in the same place every moment of every day emotionally. You can't. Yes. That is such a great reflection. And I'm so glad you're sharing that because I literally had a two days in a row discussion with the another round again, leadership roundtable and forum where we talk about what, what it means to succeed today and what is that success criteria and how do we not only obtain the success, but how do we celebrate? And in the same time, how do we continue to pass that on? Because in order to have something to celebrate, you need to obtain it first, right? And then, and then success criteria shifted so much dramatically during this current time from employers, from peers, expectations. And then we also have the, our own success criteria. And one of the things became so clear, Myra, that people are not focusing so much on what's good, what's being accomplished. You may have a situation when 95, 99% things are actually very good, very well. And then we focus on those few percentages that what things are missing overshadowing all of that or really not recognizing people for what they're good because we don't have tendencies to compliment or we don't have a tendency to highlight somebody who is absolutely superstar and awesome or if you do if they still have insecurities they will not accept it but that success in general concept completely shifted and, and value proposition around it so that I feel like as a result some brilliant minds are self-sabotaging, right? And they're feeling like smaller than little peanut. On the other hand, you have people that are just carelessly like, of course, you know, jumping in, but yet um, they're, they're, they're just being bold and having more guts. And as a result, they're getting certain things in place that others are like, why I'm not getting this or why I'm not able to do. And then sometimes we don't realize that we're kind of in our own way. So would you mind sharing from your perspective, holistically, obviously, as a transformation fellow coach, what do you see as, as key to, to success and the success criteria with this time of vulnerability and change and transformation? So this, this might I don't know if I, again, I don't know that I believe in failure or success. I think, I think what it comes down to is presence. And if I were to measure success, I mean, how do we measure success? What is it based on? And, I, and the, this conversation for me is coming from what are our fundamental values? Because if I'm in sales and I was in sales for years, success would be meeting my goal of, of making X number of sales for X amount of dollars. But that doesn't have anything to do with the quality of my life. And so one of the things that I notice, in, and this is so much how success is defined in our culture, is through externalities. Again, 
how much do I make? Do I have that big car? Do I have that big house? Do I have that perfect spouse? Do I have the perfect kids? Do you know, are they in the right colleges? And, and it's crazy, crazy, yes. crazy. So as far as success goes, I see success as being in putting yourself in a, a life that is an expression of your soul and your heart. And if you are engaged in something that it, you're finding fulfillment in your family, in your home life, in your work life, in any of those places, if you're finding fulfillment, that's the measure of success that I look at. I don't care how much money you make or I make. It's not that doesn't tell me anything other than how much money you make. So uh, you could be making that money selling drugs. You could be making that money selling arms. You could be making that money selling things that are going to transform the planet in a positive way. I, I was watching a movie last night. It was called Real Value, fabulous film. If you guys want to check it out, it's about business that is socially conscious and the wonderful thing one of the wonderful lines was not all profits are equal yes wow that is so true and i love what you just said because it's all about again going back within is a feeling good am i contributing am i feeling that i'm impacting and making difference right am i fulfilling my purpose and my fulfilling my destiny and ultimately my doing what I'm absolutely happy and jazzed about. And with that in mind, I mean, obviously you are doing two things, obviously helping people to transform on a holistic level on one hand and the other creating this amazing sustainability ecosystem around the world. So do you mind sharing a little bit about uh, ecosystems and everything and your vision and things that you've been doing to actually walk the talk right it's like now i have this already figured out and now it's the bigger larger scale and how that looks like well it's it's actually really exciting it's really exciting because i have pretty recently connected with some uh people collaborators that i really believe we're going to start being able to manifest this thing so the way that um it has proceeded for me. Well, you know what? First of all, I just want to say that there, I had a hard time reconciling these two pieces, right? The sustainability and the transformation. But what I realize is that we don't get sustainability until we transform our consciousness. And Absolutely. So, right. So that's the, the blend. And for me and in our podcast, um, Sustainability Now, it is working with the um, issues around food, energy, housing, waste, water, health, economics, and consciousness. And consciousness is key because we get to shift the way we interact with the world in order to be able to make the radical transformation that's being called for. So that's, that's one piece. So um, the eco park is embodying all of those things. So what I've been doing for the past several years is finding people that are doing things in each of these arenas. And I've collected enough to get a good start. You know, one of the things that's going to be part of the eco park is a, a, a think tank, you know, so that, um, you know, a, uh, 
what is I, I, the word is just slipping my mind at the moment, but but where we're we're generating new ideas and new technologies, and I see there being a TV studio there and or, or a broadcast media studio. There, the idea has been fleshed out more and more and more. Now the idea is okay. We get to put together a business plan, and and even before the business plan a vision of where our revenue centers are coming from. Um, and also looking at designing this thing sustainably from top to bottom. What does that mean? There are so many things that we take for granted that I don't know how we're gonna manage. For instance, when you think of a, of a food, of a um, theme park, or you think of a place where people convene What's one of the primary things? Food. Yes. And, food. In, 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 and yes, and supply chain around the food, how the food gets distributed and delivered to these different parts of the world right now, right? We, should, we shouldn't have a poverty. It's plenty. But again, because of the social economic positioning and uh, companies' uh, policies and government's uh, structures, we still have, unfortunately, insane amount of poverty and malnourishment, which is extremely sad and heartbreaking for me to continuously see that. Yes, yes. So what we want to be looking at is solutions for food. Now, the thing is, um, and, and you touch on something a lot more um, pressing than what I'm talking about at this moment. I was just talking about when people go to a place, they want there are concession stands, there are restaurants, et cetera. So in the context of this sustainability environment, and we are planning to have uh, food production on all different kinds of levels, including regenerative agriculture, including vertical uh, farming, including hydro, um, uh, hydroponics, et, et cetera, you know, different ways that we can produce food to address these circumstances. That said, even just from the, from the visitor standpoint, here I am in this environment, what, am I, what are we doing for fast food, for restaurant food? Is it gonna be vegan? Is it gonna be vegetarian? How are we gonna serve it? Is, what are the containers? Um, how are we gonna process sewage and waste in this big vast area? What kinds of technologies are we gonna to employ to do that? You know, uh, things like that, considerations like that are foundational to this whole big venture because the idea is to be able to build something that can serve as a prototype in certain respects and that shows a functioning model of how we can integrate existing technologies as well as emerging technologies to solve problems on a, um, a small and a scalable uh, scale. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I love that. I love the passion. I love the vision, and and you spot on how beautifully you encompass all of those elements, so that the immediate crisis can be uh, alleviated and prevented future crisis, right? Uh, but as you spot on, is like what technology is a, is a, is a sustainable technology too, right? So it's just such a again an additional layer of consciousness, additional la layer and innovation, and and then also uh, looking things. And I love the approach that you guys are doing, which is 
very holistic, right? Because we need to offer different paradigms. We need to offer different long-term solutions. And we also need to think about generations that are coming, coming, you know, years and decades and, and to come. And, and that is also, I think, something that uh, I'm just super passionate and glad that you're doing. Another big part of this, and, and again, see, I am not expert in any of these areas. What I, what I am good at is creating the integration of all these different ideas, bringing them together to create something that is, is a holistic model, as you're saying. So one of the concerns, one of the uh, areas of investigation is alternative economic structures. Like how can we create this so that it is a model for, um, for justice? for economic justice and how do we create a model that is really truly sustainable that that supports thriving on the parts of all people that are involved in the business in the in the um, experience of it in all of it you know so what does that look like so we're doing research into cryptocurrencies and nfts and looking for alternative ways that we can generate revenue i mean the ideal frankly the ideal would be to have the eco park have its own source of independent income so that it wasn't in any way reliant on income from the traffic in the park because then it could be potentially more idealized and i recognize that we live in an economic world so we we get to find models that support that and so there are several different businesses that are um, production manufacturing kinds of businesses that are holistically founded that i am a imagining or that I'm planning to have be like pillars, like these economic foundational pillars where there's an exchange between the revenues generated by these individual businesses and the eco park. So, so that there's a symbiotic relationship. But the thing is, we get to define that out of the box. We get to define that based on an emerging paradigm, not something that necessarily already exists. And, and I love it because obviously the existing one don't work. We, we have some attempts and some things, maybe progress in some area, but to offer that whole holistic approach uh, it's it's a lot of uh, a very very different paradigm. You more decimals definitely. So with that, Amira, with all of the amazing vision and work and and dedication you're putting, um, I'm curious, what is the next on your bucket list? Where 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 you where you are headed, or something that you can disclose to audience um, that is listening and watching this show? Well, I have. I have a plan. I'm in the process of trying to work out the details of a plan to create a uh, self-sustaining hydrogen-based vehicle like an RV mm -hmm. and uh, put that together and do a tour cross country, the sustainability now hydrogen tour where I'm able to um, go and 
travel around and do interviews on site with people that are doing remarkable things. So if people were to go to sustainabilitynow.global, they would be able to see a whole bunch of our interviews, uh, video interviews like, like you and I are doing right now. Lots of amazing information. And I think it would be awesome to be able to be traveling around the country doing these interviews with people and also to be popularizing the notion of hydrogen and uh, autonomous hydrogen uh, wow. as, as a transportation medium. So that's what's up for me is figuring this out um, in, the, in the short run and also uh, looking for funding and support uh, for finding land for the eco park as wow. well. That is brilliant. And where do you think, you know, having the eco park, where would you like to ideally have an eco park? So I had been thinking around Asheville, North Carolina. So if anybody's out there and you've got thousands of acres and you want to leave a legacy, um, <laughs> please get in touch. And we were also just recently speaking with an advisor who suggested that perhaps Florida might be a better place because Florida is crypto friendly. Um, they're, they're on top of that technology. Uh, and also they're familiar with a um, special interest district, which is kind of what Disney did. And really what we need is, is land where we can have our own building codes and apparently Disney actually has its own tax systems, tax structure for the, um, the four plus miles worth of land that they have. So um, we're maybe looking to replicate something like that. And I understand Florida is a good place to do that. So I'm not, I'm not married to it. So if you're listening to this and you have thousands of acres that you want to, as I said, leave a legacy with, let's be in touch and uh let's let's make some magic happen that's wonderful i love that i love how everything is connected how everything has a rhyme and reason how everything is just going to create an amazing snowballing effect and i love hearing about uh hydrogen vehicles and and then solution as well echo park and i cannot wait to see that coming to fruition and in closing myra i mean uh, you walk us through such an amazing journey and great vision and uh, obviously well, work that you do what would you consider or like to be known for uh, when you think about legacy also that you creating and you already created what would you like to be your legacy So I, I did a meditation and I had a vision and I saw myself at 90 years old, standing behind a podium in this big auditorium. And I believe it was the eco park. Mm. And I heard myself say, we did it. And what that was that we did was we turned it around on this planet and we, found a way to live harmoniously with nature and with one another and um, to, to be sustainable. So my purpose that I've defined is to globalize sustainability practices. And if, you know, just to be at the place where the eco park is, is I'm there and 
and thousands of people are there and we can collectively celebrate that humanity has turned things around. That's not necessarily my legacy, but to have been able to play any small part in that, um, that's, I, I'm not so concerned with my legacy. I just wanna see us find um, a relationship with the planet and with each other and all the other life here that, that works. Brilliant. That is so beautiful. And obviously, of course, it's going to be tremendously impacted by you as a visionary leader on the Legacy Leader Show. But ultimately, uh, as a result, we do produce legacy. Either we do uh, take action or not. By not taking action, it's reverse, right? It's like, did we do anything that truly mattered? Did we really reach out to people? Did we create a difference there? Or obviously not from selfish reasons, but did, did we accomplish our own destiny? And uh, I love that you don't attach legacy to monetary value, but more to the impact. And we wish you all the best with everything you're trying to do. It seems like you are an amazing trajectory to massive, massive success. And Myra, for everybody that's watching and listening, do you mind just sharing quickly where they can find you, where they can learn more about your work or where they can connect with you and collaborate or whatever it might be? Okay, great. Thank you for that. So our website for the podcast is sustainabilitynow.global instead of .com. You can hear the podcast on any platform that you listen to podcasts. So iTunes and whatever else. And um, my, my coaching website is yourcoreconnection.com, singular. So yourcoreconnection.com. And uh, you can email me, uh, Mira, at either of those addresses, uh, Mira at yourcoreconnection.com, Mira at sustainabilitynow.com. I will say up front that I'm not so great at keeping up with the email. So if you don't hear from me, don't take it personally, try again. And um, the other thing is that I do a, a daily, a weekday Facebook Live at 9 a.m. Eastern time on the Enlightened World Network Facebook page and their YouTube channel. So you can catch up with me there as well. Mira, this was absolutely delightful. Thank you so much for, again, being on the show of the Legacy Leaders and sharing your amazing legacy, amazing vision, and everything that is coming. It was also a pleasure, and we'll make sure that the audience get those links and that we can follow up with Circle Back with you a few months down the road and see the progress. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Isabella, thank you, thank you. This was such a pleasure and a delight and a privilege. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.